Hello, mighty warriors of God, and welcome to MI15. Today is Saturday, July 16th, 2022, and this is day 1579 of our journey together. Thank you so, so much for tuning into our podcast. My name is Jackie, and welcome, welcome, welcome to you. So let's go ahead and get started. Father, we glorify you and praise you and thank you so much, my Lord. Thank you for equipping us and empowering us to do everything that you've given us to do. Help us, Lord, to do it in great gratitude, even when things may not be working out according to the way we think it should, but that our trust in you will continue to grow and deepen and get even wider, knowing that you are in control and that we have yielded our will unto your will. So let thy will be done. And help us, Father, to continue to shine and do whatever it is that you called us to do. I ask you, Father, to comfort the brokenhearted and heal the sick and bless those who may be in financial need. I ask, Father, that you will speak today that it be all about you and not about me. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God, everybody. Thank you so, so very much for tuning in. Today's message is, your selflessness will be rewarded. You're not doing it in vain and you're not doing it to be noticed. You're doing it because you genuinely care about others You truly unconditionally love others. And God is saying, it is not in vain. We're going to be coming out of one of my favorites, (laughs) Ruth chapter one. We're going to start at verse eight and then we're going to jump over to chapter two. It's not a very long uh, book. It is amazing. I think it's only uh, about four as I go through four chapters or so. It is an absolute beautiful love story. Uh, It is a story about sacrifice. Um, It is, it's kind of like, you know, a David and Goliath story. You're rooting for the one, you're rooting for the Davids. We're rooting for them. And it it is a genuine act of of the love of God. And and so I'm going to just give you a a little background on the story. I'm not going to start from the very beginning, uh, but... Um, Naomi and her husband and two sons moved away from uh, Bethlehem, Judah, uh, to go to um, Moab to live there because there was a famine in their land. And they moved away from it. Uh, And, you know, the husband, uh, Elimelech, uh, Naomi's husband, ended up dying. And uh, she had left her two sons who had married Moabite women. One's name was Orpah and the other's name was Ruth. And after about 10 years, both her sons died, which left Naomi in a very rough situation. Because during those times, there was almost nothing worse than being a widow in the ancient world. Widows were taken advantage of or ignored. They were almost always poverty stricken. 
God's law therefore provided that the nearest relative of the dead husband should care for the widow, but Naomi had no relatives in Moab, and she did not know if any of her relatives were alive in Israel. So this kind of gives you an idea of the situation Ruth, I mean, Naomi was in. So now let's go to uh, Ruth 1, starting at verse 8. And it says, Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons whom could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. And she felt really bad because she had lost all the men in her life and she felt like God's hand was against her at that time. And she also said she is bitter uh, and, and it's understandable, right? You know, you go through something like that and many times we think, oh man, God is mad at me or something's wrong here. Why did God let that happen? It's typically the, uh, many of us think that right off, you know, and, and God is saying, I'm here for you. And there are certain things that will happen in our lives that we don't always understand. But God is still there. And then verse 14, at this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. And it was okay for Orpah to go. That was her, her right. It was nothing wrong, but she didn't want to. And Ruth clung to her. And I wrote in my notes that she was clinging to her blessing. They were really a blessing for each other. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. You know, and this is one of my favorite verses that I use whenever I'm conducting a wedding uh, and having the great privilege and honor of marrying couples. This is one of my favorites. 
So verse 19, so the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem at the barley harvest, uh, as the barley harvest was beginning. So when she left Bethlehem, Judah, there was a famine. And she now returns to a harvest. That is very powerful in every way that we can look at this. She came back with a great helper who was going to take care of her. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of stand of good a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. You see, during those times, as they were harvesting, it was a custom that they would leave little bits of leftover grain so that those who were in need can come up behind them and pick up the extra. And that's what Ruth was going to go do. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Imagine that, right? Look at God. <laughs> Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the har harvesters. The Lord be with you. He sounds like a really good boss, doesn't he? The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of the harvest, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go glean in any other field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch, watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars. The men have filled. <laughs> At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother, your homeland, and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Huh, we could end it right there, right? 
That is so beautiful, so powerful. Boaz was such a mighty man of God. He spoke God's blessing upon Ruth. And I will just tell you the rest of the story. I encourage you to read it. It is so beautiful. They ended up getting married. There were a few little glitches in between. And Boaz of good character, he worked through it all. And he married Ruth. They were blessed with a child. And Naomi was satisfied and truly blessed. And not only that, let me tell you something else that is so magnificent. Matthew chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. Remember, Ruth was a foreigner in the land. And many times people from other countries can get a bad rap based upon what their country or town was known for. If it's known for negative things or horrible atrocities that brought up on other people in the community, that doesn't mean that that's how people in the community feel. Just because the person that's over that or that president or that dictator of that country, that doesn't mean that that's how everyone is. And, and so we have to be very careful to not judge anybody. Okay, so let me go to the, where I was telling you. Matthew 1, 5 through 6, it says, Salmon. Okay, this is, this is talking about the family line of Jesus Christ, okay? It's talking about, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So when we jump down to verse 5, it says, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, and Rahab was another character, uh, that was known as Rahab the prostitute, who was also in the genealogy of Jesus. And then it says, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. So you see, their son, Obed, was the father of Jesse, who was the father of of King David, which was the direct lineage of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at how God did that. Oh, my goodness. Point number one, your selflessness and caring for others, even above yourself, has not gone unnoticed. While in the store yesterday, <clears throat> I was uh, at the pharmacy waiting on them to fill my husband's order and the lady at the counter, uh, while I was sitting there, I'm just observing, you know, just thinking and listening. And so I heard a, the gentleman at the counter and the lady talking. Uh, uh, he, she told him his uh, medication was not ready. And uh, he said, yes, it is. You know, and you could hear him. He got a little loud. And, and the woman behind the counter gently and kindly said, no, sir, it's not ready yet. And then he he got even louder and, and a little harsher tone. And he said, I heard the woman say it was ready. She responded in a very soft, gentle tone. No, she was talking to someone else in the drive through line. And so the woman had on head a headset, but you really couldn't see it, the one at the drive through line. So you could hear her saying things, but you don't hear another voice because she had on the headset and she could hear the people at the drive through line, but we couldn't. And so the man quieted down, and as he was leaving, he made it a point to go up to the counter. 
He waited a moment and went up to the counter to tell the young woman, thank you so much. And he said it and just, you can tell it was heartfelt. And he said, have a great day. That really blessed my heart, especially since there has been great division in our communities because of race and cultures. You see, the older gentleman was a white man and the young woman was a black, black lady. You know, and th there's typically uh, dissension between the races, especially when someone, uh, you know, just yells at you or makes you look, belittles you in front of other people. Uh, the typical response would be to defend yourself. Well, this young woman didn't do that. And then when the man figured out and noticed, you know, that he was wrong, he made it a point to go up to her and be kind and say something. And I thought that was really wonderful. In this Bible truth, Ruth was a Moabite woman and friendly, uh, was a Moabite woman and friendly relations were discouraged since the Moabites, uh, so between the Moabites and the Israelites or Hebrews, um, it, you know, relationships were discouraged. Uh, and the Moabites lived outside the promised land. Marrying uh, a Can Canaanite, which was the Moabites as well, was against God's law. And that's in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 through 4. Moabites were not allowed to worship at the tabernacle because they had not let the Israelites pass through their land during the exodus from Egypt. However, that did not stop Ruth from caring for her mother-in-law and providing for her. Nor did it stop Naomi from loving her daughter-in-law. You see, it was going both ways. And Ruth, I believe, came to know about Jesus, about the Lord, about God, through Naomi. Point number two, God sees and knows all. He sees your sacrificial love toward others, even when it's not reciprocated. Many times some are given a bad rap because of what others in their community has done, have done or said. We can't control others, but we can certainly control ourselves, doing good and showing the unconditional love of God towards others, no matter what. I'll never forget, while uh, in a school a few years ago, a couple of years ago, and uh, I had been teaching conflict resolution workshops in the classroom. And after one of the sessions, one of the young ladies, an eighth grader, I believe, she came up to me. She said, Miss Jackie, I'm having a conflict with a young, another girl in the school. And everyone is saying, you know, we're going to fight at the end of school today. And I never said I wanted to fight. And I don't know why this girl wants to fight me. And, and I wanted, she wanted to know, can, can we do a mediation to work it out? Because you see, most times we hear all these negative things about kids and, and we hear, you know, uh, about, especially about black kids, um, you know, fighting and killing and all of that. 
Well, one of the things I've learned is that they they typically don't want to fight. Uh, it is more of, you know, saving face, other people stirring things up. And so she said, when when they learned that there was this outlet, that they can have a mediation to work things out in a safe space, and that was what I would do in the schools, she wanted that. And I said, okay, let's work that out. And she said, I said, how do you know that this girl wants to fight you? She said, well, my friend told me. And I said, well, let's start with you and your friend and do a mediation between the two of you. Let's have a conversation. So we did. And once we had that conversation, the young lady that asked for the mediation realized that her friend was the one stirring up all the trouble and gossiping and telling lies on her and and stirring up this fight. And so they decided to discontinue being friends. And the, the young lady that was stirring up all the mess, really, I could tell, felt bad for what she had done. And they talked about it and moved on. And I was glad they were able to talk about it. And then after that, we had to do the mediation. I had to do the mediation between this young lady and the other girl that thought they were going to fight at the end of school. And I made it a point to quickly do this because school was almost out. And so brought the two young ladies together and did the stuff I need to do and allow them to just talk to each other and take turns. That's really all I, what I do is to facilitate. I don't tell them what to say, how they should feel, let them get their feelings out and share. And so they were going back and forth and and the young lady uh, that uh, was brought in uh, to meet with the young lady that asked for the mediation, she said, you know what? She said, I'm just trying to finish school. I want to be a doctor. I don't, I don't, I don't even know how to fight. <laughs> and the young lady that asked for the mediation said, I don't want to fight either. And it just was amazing and beautiful to see this transpire right before my eyes within 15 minutes. And the young lady that asked for the mediation said to me, can I say one other thing? And I thought, okay, sure. (laughs) And she asked the other young lady, she said, can we be friends? Oh my goodness. I felt tears running down within my, in my soul. (laughs) You know, it was just amazing. And they left out and the other young lady said, yes. And they left out friends instead of enemies and not even knowing why. So often in life, this happens where we don't even know why we're mad at each other or why there's this conflict. But when one party has enough selflessness within them to say, hey, let's work through this. Hey, let me help you. Let's talk about this. You would be amazed at how much we can come together and be on one accord, no matter what our differences are, no matter what our races are, our gender, our beliefs, none of that should divide us from living together peacefully. You know, we may not agree. We don't have to agree with the what other people's choices are if it doesn't line up with the word of God, but that should not stop us from loving one another because God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So we too must love one another no matter what. Now, let me ask you this. If you don't, do you know Jesus is your savior? That is what this is all about. If, you know, learning and growing in Christ, but if you don't know him, this is your day because y'all, these are the last days and and we don't know when the rapture is going to take place. It could take place any moment. And that is when the believers, those who believe in Jesus, will be caught up to be with Jesus for eternity. And then we'll begin the seven-year tribulation on this earth. It will be horrific. The Holy Spirit will leave. And there will be all hell breaking loose. So... This is not to scare you. These are facts. And please read the Bible for yourself to know. I would go to the book of Revelation, which is a beautiful book. And and the Bible, the book of Revelation says, Blessed is the one who reads this book and who hears these words and are obedient to what it says. Romans 10 and 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the ultimate. I love you all so, so much. May the Lord bless and protect you. May his face radiate with joy because of you. May he be gracious unto you, show you his favor and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. And remember, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And please don't forget to check us out on our website, JackieBikesMinistries.org, J-A-C-K-I-E-B-Like-Boy-U-Y-C-K-S-Ministries.org. Check out the messages and please share them with others. And if you ever want to talk to me or if you ever want me to come and speak to your group or your church, your community, reach out, send me a message. I'll be glad to do that. Uh, And don't forget to also check us out on our other website, tzonekc.org. Learn more about what we're doing in the community with our youth, teaching them life skills, workforce skills, entrepreneurship development, peer mediation, and human and sex trafficking awareness. Please check us out and become a partner. You know, it doesn't, you can be our partner. Just pray for us. If the Lord leads you to give, please give. That's what it's all about. All right, mighty warriors, go forth and make it an awesome day, fulfilling the purpose that God has given you. And I will talk to you later. Bye-bye.